Good afternoon, Lafayette. Hello, everybody. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk, KPL 965. Glad to be with you all today. If you blinked, you missed it. Rain shower that popped up here on Bertrand. There are some spots on the radar where you can still catch some rain. So do be careful out there. Despite that little bit of rain, only one accident on the board, as Mark mentioned during our traffic update. That is over on Gilbo Road. About uh, 30, 40 minutes ago, that charted in. It is uh, staying up on the board right now. Looks like law enforcement still working on that. So be careful around the Gilbo area. 232-1542. If you want to call in and be part of the conversation in the next segment, going to talk with my friend, chairman of the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, Doug Ireland. We're going to... Really, on this kind of uh, kind of an auspicious time to be doing this, uh, in the wake of the Raging Cajuns making it to the NCAA Regional in College Station, we are going to be talking with Doug Ireland about the induction of legendary UL coach Tony Robichaux to the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame later this month. So you want to stick around and uh, hear what Doug Ireland has to say. Excited to be interviewed. It'll actually be my first time uh, interviewing him on the radio in well over 10 years. I, he, he, I'm from Natchitoches. That's where, where he is. He was the sports information director at Northwestern State for years. And so through my, my radio work there, got to, uh, got to work alongside Doug several times. But uh, I think you guys will enjoy hearing what he has to say. And, of course, honoring the late Tony Show and this wonderful honor he's being given with the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. But before we get there, friends... Our long national nightmare is over. The Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial is over. Just uh, just a few minutes ago, just a few minutes ago, we've got that ruling. Johnny Depp will be awarded $10 million in compensatory damages and $5 million in punitive damages. However, Amber Heard will be awarded $2 million in compensatory damages, although she'll get zero Impunitive for her counterclaims against Depp. Now, remember, Depp sued for defamation because of an op-ed Heard wrote in uh, the Washington Post that, while it didn't name him specifically, was very much assumed to be about Johnny Depp in terms of domestic abuse, violence against women, stuff like that. Depp sued. He claims it ruined his movie career. And Heard... Uh, filed a counterclaim because of something that one of Depp's lawyers had said. So after a six-week trial with some very viral moments and some very awkward testimony, it's over. We do not have to hear about the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case anymore. Thank the Lord. Because while I like Johnny Depp's work, uh, this trial just reinforced something that I think we can all agree on Uh, One of our callers actually alluded to it yesterday. Hollywood is a cesspool. And only freaks really reside there. So now that we can get their freakish ways off of our radar for a little while, we can go ahead and enjoy the peaceful times once again. Again, 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation uh, a little later on in the show. Next segment, going to have uh, Chairman of the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, Doug Ireland, joining us. We're going to go ahead and take a break, get him on the line, and we'll be back with more on Coach Tony Robichaux and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Joining us on the line, Chairman of the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, Longtime friend of mine, Doug Ireland. Doug, how are you today? 
Doing great, Joe. What an honor to be on the show with you. Well, thank you very much for joining me. It is uh, bringing up back a lot of memories of uh, all those mornings that we spent on KNOC in Natchitoches. <laughs> oh, good times they were. And uh, who knows, we were hatching a, a uh, broadcasting and uh, blogging <laughs> star. Well, thank you very much. So I, I wanted to, it, it actually kind of worked out perfectly getting you on to talk about the fact that you guys have the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremony later this month. And of course, we schedule this. And then over the weekend, uh, Louisiana Raging Cajuns uh, earn their way to the uh, to an NCAA regional uh, in College Station. And one of the inductees is a legendary UL coach, Coach Tony Robichaux. So it is uh, fantastic for the community to really be able to spotlight UL baseball uh in this way at this time of the year. So I guess just kind of before we get to it, how, how does the induction process work? How do you, how do you guys, Louisiana sports hall of fame come up with your list of who will be inducted for a year? Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. And then robe going in is, is just how, how beautiful that is in the symmetry of it. And we'll get back to that. But, uh, the, uh, Louisiana sports hall of fame is operated by the Louisiana sports writers association. Uh, the LSWA, as we call it, uh, was created in 1958 for two reasons. One, to foster the most effective and efficient high school sports coverage around the state. And two, to create the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. And so we've been inducting people ever since 1958. Uh, it has become a uh, formalized, structured process in the last 40 years, Um and, and, and particularly in my 30-some-odd years since 1990, um, we have a 40-member selection committee. Um, 35 of those are media members, and um, the rest are Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame members or Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame Foundation board members. Uh, sometimes um, those are one and the same. Gerald Boudreaux, state senator, is in the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame as a uh, – basketball official and, and the recreation director for Lafayette City for many, many years. And uh, Daryl is also on our foundation board, and so he has great perspective. That's just an example of somebody who was involved in the voting process. Um, but the nomination process is very simple, and anybody can nominate. The deadline to nominate for the following year is July 1 on the current year, and I've been getting a lot of traffic lately from people asking about that and making inquiries, and you can just go to our website. Uh, that is a recurring theme in this conversation, lasportshall.com, lasportshall.com. That's a one-stop shop for information about the upcoming events uh, and uh, how to get tickets and uh, also how to nominate a candidate. And it's very simple. Um, you just basically send a, a paragraph bio to my email address by July 1, and uh, then, then uh, we have a nomination subcommittee that reviews the candidates and advances the uh, most worthy to the ballot. We had a ballot this past year of, I think it was 138 nominees uh, wow. who passed the process. Most of those were holdovers from the previous years, mm -hmm. um, but about 15 or so were new candidates. Um, and our committee then, once everything's been vetted during the month of July, in August we review the candidates electronically. Um, votes are cast electronically to narrow the field basically in half, and we were able to narrow it down to about 50 finalists mm -hmm. uh, that we actually went, uh, gathered, sat in a room. This year it was at Alex Box Stadium in, in uh, 
Baton Rouge uh, the previous year. It was at uh, the uh, Raging Cajuns beautiful park. Uh, I always think of it as Tigmore Field because that's what it was when I was there. But uh, I know it's got a new name now and a spectacular venue it is. We met up in the sweet area in 2021 to have our elections. Mm-hmm. I believe it was, or it may have been 2020. It was certainly during the pandemic, and Dan McDonald, Kevin Foote, and some other folks really went to the nth degree to be sure we could conduct a meeting, and we did. At that meeting, we reviewed that uh, list of finalists. We discussed every sport category, and there were 27 different sports categories. Um, and anybody can discuss any candidate um, uh, for a minute. Uh, presumably everybody will have been well-versed on reading the bios going in. Mm-hmm. And we have, you know, at times, spirited discussions. Um, then we get down to voting, and we vote much like, and you'll like this, much like a political convention. There are rounds and rounds of voting. Now, I don't know that those happen very much anymore in the, mm-hmm. the national conventions, but they certainly do. It's state caucuses and uh, other political events. Mm-hmm. And, and, Here's the challenge. So you've got roughly 50 finalists. You can only list five on your ballot, and it's in descending order. So let's say uh, Dan McDonald, one of our voters, Mm -hmm. voted Tony Robes show number one. That's five points for uh, Coach Robe. He might have voted uh, Kyle Williams number two. That's four points for Kyle Williams, so on and so forth, on a descending order. And it is such a challenge every time uh, to limit your vote to only five. Mm-hmm. And, and so we go through rounds of voting, and typically it takes five to seven rounds to identify our nine competitive ballot, uh, eight, nine this year, eight typically, um, uh, inductees to the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. And the nomination process and the discussions go around all throughout the year. So that's, that's it in a, a pretty big nutshell, but that's, that's it. So, uh, you know, obviously here a very special time for uh, for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Uh, Coach Robe is appearing. Um, in, he will be inducted, uh, and 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 right at the right at the the lead of the description that that y'all have at Louis, at uh, LASportsHall.com, tops the state college baseball victory list and ranks twenty eighth all time in NCAA Division One history with an eleven hundred seventeen seven seventy six and two record. That is an extraordinary record for such a long and legendary career, not just at UL, but at McNeese as well, right? Yes. Uh, folks in Lake Charles are very proud of, of uh, Tony Robichaux show and should be. Uh, he played and coached at uh, UL. He played and coached at McNeese. I was actually working at UL at the time and remember Tony as a player, uh, then certainly enjoyed him uh, competing with uh, my Northwestern Demons in the Southland Conference when he was at McNeese. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, of course, there was an opening at uh, um, UL, and uh, they smartly uh, brought him across from Lake Charles, and, and Raging Cajun baseball has never been the same again. It's, it's just an extraordinary success story, um, and, and, and it's all rooted in the man that he was, the values he had, and the influence that he cast. Um, it's, it's profound. I had lunch today with a fellow who worked with him as a, as a sports information director, Jason Pugh, when they went to the World Series. Mm-hmm. And Jason got emotional at the table talking about Tony Robeshit. Yeah, I mean, just you, you look at the buy and, and the, the, the paragraph that y'all have here that just kind of lists, you know, uh, the, the, the amazing stuff and still feels like it barely scratches the surface. I mean, we're, we're talking... 
he was a pitcher in the 80s at both McNeese and UL, head coach at McNeese, spent 24 years with the Cajuns, uh, led UL to a fourth-place finish in the 2000 College World Series. I mean, there's there's so much that he accomplished in what in in his time just in the sport. And, and it kind of just goes back to what I know about y'all at the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame is that we have a very rich athletic culture, and it kind of gets overlooked by you know in in some ways by the you know the bigger states, the the states that have all the professional teams and everything like that. But really, we have a very rich athletic culture in Louisiana. I tell folks, and it's true, you you really can't watch Sports Center uh, for two days in a row and not see somebody from Louisiana doing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's just that and 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 that just scratches the surface. Uh, we are we are blessed with an incredible uh, sports DNA in our state. Um, you know, Louisiana has a global brand and in, in, in music and uh, the culinary arts and uh, culture and, and in sports. And we really got this uh, borne out when we had the new millennium when you were two years old. Uh, <laughs> in nineteen ninety nine, Sports Illustrated was doing a special millennium edition. And what they were, what they decided to do was name the 50 top sports figures from each state. Mm-hmm. So the editor of that special edition, a guy named Mike McKenzie, uh, called me and wanted to consult with me on the choices for Louisiana. And he started the company. We knew each other. Uh, he was a sports writer at one point, and I was too. And we crossed paths. And he says, "Doug, he says, first thing I need to do is apologize to you." I said, "Why?" He says, "Well, Louisiana has so many, and most states don't." We had to take people from Louisiana who had associations with other states to prop some of these other states up. And, and, and I've told this story to LSU's uh, new president, first-year president, uh, Dr. Bill Tate, mm-hmm. when he was in Nagas visiting and touring the museum back in September, uh, and I stubbed my toe. And you'll know why in a moment. Uh, but, you know, so well, give me an example, Mike. What, what are you talking about? He said, well, Pete Maravich. I said, no, you can't take Pete Maravich from Louisiana. Louisiana is where anybody got to know him. Floppy Socks, uh, a college basketball player, the greatest college basketball player of all time, statistically, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't take him from Louisiana. He says, well, again, you guys have so many. In South Carolina, they only have a couple people you've ever heard of. George Rogers, the Heisman Trophy winning running back, and um, Refrigerator Perry. And uh, I think there was a golfer. He says they needed somebody. They needed help. And so Maravich played high school basketball there. Mm-hmm. So I told that story to Dr. Tate, who had just come from South Carolina and is a big, big sports fan. <laughs> <laughs> and so he started touting South Carolina for a moment, but he got the point. Uh, but that's what happened. Uh, Dale Brown, of course, went to Minot, uh, North Dakota. Um, so he went on North Dakota's list, and you just go on and on and on with great athletes and coaches, sports figures who were um, heisted from our list and, and transferred to states that needed the sport. I'm not sure if that in particular was what prompted what happened, but I think it was. So they were going to do these top 50 lists for each state. Mm-hmm. Then they decided to rank them. Ooh. And, you know, we in Louisiana are far too often – uh, saddled with rankings between 40 and 50, um, sometimes near the low end of the totem pole uh, in so many different categories. 
But Sports Illustrated ranked Louisiana sixth in the nation in terms of its sports impact. Mm-hmm. And the the first five were heavily populated states, you know, yeah. California, New York, Illinois, Texas, and Florida. Then there's Louisiana. And then I think, um, you know, there are 10, 12, many more millions in those other states. We have 4 million people and it's per capita. It's just incredible. Yeah, that that is incredible, and and like you said, Louisiana, you know, does end up on the bottom of so many lists. Thanks, Wallet Hub, but uh, this is this is fantastic, uh, not only for the state of Louisiana, but for the Lafayette community. Doug Ireland, chairman of the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. You can find out everything at lasportshall.com. Doug, thank you very much for joining me today. Been my pleasure as always, and uh, just hey, keep talking the good talk, Jeff. All right, thank you very much. Good talking with you again. Take care. Right. My pleasure. Bye bye. Doug Ireland, Hall of Fame chairman for the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. The induction ceremony toward the end of the month, uh, starting June 23rd. Excited to uh, really pump up the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. If you ever get a chance to go to Natchitoches, I highly recommend you go check out the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame building. Also check out some of the fantastic food in Natchitoches as well. When we come back, there's a bill going through the legislature that I think is a fascinating look at the gun controls uh, conversations we're having as a country. We'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Again, special thanks to my buddy Doug Ireland, the chairman of the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, coming on and talking about Coach Tony Robichaux, who will be inducted into the Sports Hall of Fame later this month at the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremony in Natchitoches, Louisiana. Congratulations. Uh, to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns uh, for just a, a stellar record under Coach Robe and also uh, for you know now going on to compete uh, this kind of this this posthumous honor for Coach Robe being kind of hammered into place by the legacy he leaves behind uh, with the Cajuns now headed to College Station for NCAA regional play yesterday. The Louisiana House of Representatives voted 59-39 to pass, I think, the most interesting bill in the discussion on gun control that we've seen yet. This bill, Senate Bill 379, the House, it moved over to the House, the House passed at 59-39. This bill, which is sponsored by a Republican out of Bossier, uh, Barrow Peacock, would prohibit former juvenile offenders who have been adjudicated for a crime of violence from from possessing firearms until they are 24 years old. I'm on the fence about it. I'm I'm not going to lie. Uh, And I think uh, one of the the most vocal critics, and this is mentioned in the story, it's up at the Daily Advertiser's website, uh, Representative Joe Marino, uh, independent of Gretna, argued that the bill is unconstitutional as juveniles are not convicted by a jury, but rather adjudicated solely by a judge. I think there's kind of something to be said there. However, in the court of law, you also have uh, you also can have a bench trial, which means there is no jury. It's just the judge who will render the judgment after the case is heard. So I think there is some legal gray area as far as this is concerned. But the left on the national scene is talking about a national gun registry, an assault weapons ban. It's talking about everything except what I've been telling y'all we need to be talking about, and that is the mental health aspect of this and the school safety, to a lesser extent, aspect of this. Yes, the school safety at, the, at, at Robb Elementary was non-existent, but 
the mental health crisis is key. That is the biggest factor going forward. How do we take care of this? And I think this bill actually does a better job of carefully navigating both aspects here. Now, again, it's not a bill that I'm automatically in support of, but I think it's a better conversation starter than what the left is constantly trying to pull. I've said it before, but it bears repeating. The left will say, well, Americans support, by a majority, Americans support, um, they, they support gun control efforts. I mean, you, you poll the question, hey, do you want to see uh, legislation that will curb gun violence? Absolutely. I would love to see that. I would also like to see uh, a real-life dinosaur. I would love a couple million dollars in my bank account. Um, but the, the problem is you can't actually get the American people to support the gun control initiatives specifically. When you actually poll the measures posed, uh, the, the questions on the measures proposed by the Democrats, what you end up getting is a lot more Americans saying, no, nah, I'm kind of wary of that. I'm wary of a national gun registry. I'm, I'm wary of expanded background checks that go a little too deep into your personal life and, and, and start to set up that national gun registry. I'm wary of a handgun ban. I'm wary of an assault rifle ban because you're being very nebulous with the definition. Over and over, the specific gun policies proposed by the left often end up turning voters off. But here you have this proposal in the Louisiana legislature that I think is a better conversation starter. Just off the top of my head, I could be willing to go with this, although I think to prevent a former juvenile offender from owning a firearm until 24 might be excessive. Preventing them from owning a firearm until 20, 21 might be a little more reasonable. It gives them three years to make sure that they are not going, uh, they're, they're not going to fall into some recidivism and, and go back to violent crime ways. It gives us the opportunity to track if there is some mental growth and mental maturity between that violent act as a juvenile and their behavior as an adult. I think it's worth talking about. Not necessarily saying it's worth passing, but it's worth talking about. And I think the legislature, God help me for saying this, because I know they're going to go back and screw this up, but I think the legislature is actually having a good, reasonable discussion on this. I think that this bill is a good conversation starter. I think Joe Marino... Uh, representative and independent from Gretna, I think he's making a good point that it is constitutionally dubious. I don't think it's solely unconstitutional because, again, not all, uh, not all case, not not all trials for adults are held in front of a jury. You do have bench trials, but I think that it is a start. The juvenile system is designed differently than the adult system, Marino points out. Very good point. But when we look at the recent Buffalo shooting, when we look at the Uvalde shooting, we go back and look at Parkland, we look at, we go back all the way to Columbine. These were students. These were young students. And when you look at it, when you look at especially the case of the Uvalde shooter, had anybody reported this kid's behaviors, this kid would have gone before a juvenile court. 
and under a law like this, would not have been able to purchase a gun. We don't know how the shooter got the guns, but none of the family members apparently owned these two AR-15s. How would this kid be able to buy said AR-15s if he's barred because of a law like this? It's something to consider. If you really want to talk gun control, and I'm skeptical of the Republicans to say, yeah, we need to sit down and talk gun control because they are going in and they're trying to negotiate with a left that is absolutely adamant that we need to get rid of guns entirely. But when you sit down and you have a rational conversation on a policy like this, I think it's a more interesting and more compelling conversation for us to have. And it's interesting to me that a rational, reasonable conversation is happening among all places in Louisiana's legislature. God help me, maybe some good things will come out of the legislature. If this is the kind of reasonable, rational discussion they're having, maybe something good can come of it. I don't know. But that is, uh, you can find out that full story on the Daily Advertiser's website. The House passes bill to restrict guns for former juvenile offenders. Again, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I keep going back to the idea that this is worth talking about. This is a conversation worth having. Because if you're a juvenile who is committing a violent act, you are more prone to continue and even escalate your violent acts. If you're a kid who just commits a crime, you may learn from the mistake. But if you are engaging in risky, violent behavior, the chances increase that you're going to go for even riskier violent behavior. And if we look at laws like this, maybe something good can come from that conversation. 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation here on the Joe Cunningham Show, we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, what else is happening around the country? We'll have all that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. Your chance to be part of the conversation here on the Joe Cunningham Show. And joining us on the line, we've got a caller, Danny. Danny, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. What you got? Listen, uh, you know, the gun violence in this country has gotten so out of control. It's, it's just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm 72 years old. I've had weapons. I've hunted all my life. You know, I, I come from a different generation. I, yeah. res I respect our Constitution. I respect the firearms. But we got so many of these kids growing up today. They don't have, they don't know, they come from a broken family mm -hmm. and it's an epidemic in this country. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the Democratic Party for the last 50 years, that's, that's all they've been preaching is hate, trying to take this country down. And we're seeing the consequences of it now. I mean, I feel sorry for my grandkids. It, I don't know what kind, I don't know what kind of world that, that they're going to grow up in anymore. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. We we have such a a, a cultural, I guess, desensitization to our fellow man that that I don't think we've seen in in past generations. And I'm really worried just the way that you mentioned you respect the guns. That that's one of the keys that I think we don't get with our younger generations now is that they they aren't respecting 
the guns. They aren't respecting the firearms themselves. They are seeing those just as tools to get a point across, much like you would use any other tool to do the same thing. But these have lethal consequences. Listen, when two people get in an argument, especially people that's under under 18 years old, Mm -hmm. and they shoot each other on the streets with weapons, I mean, you have a, you have a, a complete breakdown in your society. Yeah, and 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 how you turn this around, I I have no idea. I, I don't we, either. We've been taking we've been taking God out out of the schools. We've been taking him out of the church. It's okay to burn the American flag now. Biden's letting all these these drug heads come across the border. All these illegal guns are coming across the border. Mm. Now, I really don't know how you're going to stop it. It, it, it is Uh-oh. a it is a question that we do have to we, we we have to try to find the answer to before it's too late. Danny, thank you very much for the call, 232-1542, if anybody else wants to call him. But yeah, that's that is, you know, a a big issue that we're facing is that we're we're looking at a young a younger generation that has just completely given up on respecting themselves much less their fellow man and they are they're taking to violence and there's a lot of societal issues that surround it i've talked about it so much the the mental health aspect of it and that i think is just we have to we 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 absolutely have to find the solution here i don't know what that solution is and I'm praying that we can find it at some point because we as a society, it doesn't matter how much you support gun rights, the Second Amendment, too much more of this. And we are going to have a pretty serious problem here as a country. 232-1542. We've got Richard on the line now. Richard, how are you today? Hey, yes. Hey, fine. Great to have you on. I appreciate you always bring up topics that's happening at the moment. And, uh, look, I'm a retired minister, mm-hmm. but my family at the background of all of us has guns, and we've never uh, killed anyone illegally. But one of the problems I see is children definitely, and the last caller hits so much on it, so many young people are on medication, and they can't go to school unless mm-hmm. they on some type of medication. Mm-hmm. And the fentanyl is killing, I Googled it this morning, it's like to 100 and maybe 20,000 people are dying a year. And it went up from 70,000. Trump had it going down. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. I actually look at it. But whenever Biden took over, not, and I'm just, it, it has gone from 70 to like 120,000 fentanyl. So these kids own drugs. I don't. That's that is the answer. Yeah, um, you know the problem. Should I say? Well, what do you think? Yeah, I, I do. And and part of the thing is, you know, we famously had a war on drugs in this country, and and, and we saw no results from it. And just in general, like uh, the American policy of having wars on various nouns has never seemed to work. But we do have to address this in some way. We have to, and it starts honestly. Y'all are right. It does have to start with us cleaning up the border. That's where a lot of our problems are right now. And we really, really have to figure out that problem before we can make any moves on anything else. Richard, thank you very much for the call. we got a couple other callers that are trying to, to come in. We've got Matt on the line. Matt, how are you today? 
Hey, how's it going, Joe? Doing good. Love the show, man. Thank you. Like you were saying, I, you know, it, what the solution is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, until they make a vaccine for stupid, um, you know, I don't know what the answer is. But, I mean, listening to a lot of different people talk, you know, Denzel Washington even said, it starts in the home. Mm-hmm. Everything starts in the home. Yeah. And if the home ain't right, nothing's going to fix. Nothing's going to get fixed. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, so it's it's how these kids are being raised. I was born, I was raised in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And I thought Lafayette was a whole nother dimension when I moved out here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it it all starts in the home. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I was, you know, until I just got married, I was a single parent taking care of my kid on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, but he doesn't. You don't have to have both mom and dad in the house in order for things to be done right. Yeah. Somebody, you know, they have to be raised right. That parents got to have their feet on the ground. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, and and I'm a firm believer in everybody, you know, having their gun rights. You know, I'm fighting, you know, to get, to see if I can even get mine back from being when I was young. Yeah. That's my decision. That's what I made. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I don't know, you know, I mean, there's no background check. There's no mental health check. There's no, there's nothing that can be done to really weed out all these, all these things. Yeah. Yeah. It still comes right back on the parents. It it does. Matt, thank you very much for the call. Appreciate it. Um, and, And I think just kind of going into that. The, the, there, there is no vaccine for stupid. There is no cure for some of the problems that we're seeing societally. And when I say that part of it is the mental health crisis, when I say that part of it is the, the, the lack of a father figure in a home or anything like that, that's not an excuse for what these folks are doing. But we do have to keep in mind that there are things that we societally can do to try to mitigate. That's going to be a wrap for us. 23 hours until the next one. Twitter.com slash Joe P. Cunningham. Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Check me out there. Email me at Joe at RedState.com. And I'll talk to you guys again tomorrow.